You're listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Tuck. Brian is an attorney who represents startups, nonprofits, arts organizations, and people who work in the creative industries. As an arts entrepreneur, Brian is the founder and CEO of Performing Arts Live, a Pennsylvania nonprofit corporation dedicated to creating and supporting live performance opportunities for jazz and electronic artists. Its flagship program is the Allentown Jazz Fest. Brian is a TEDx speaker, a Grammy voter, and jazz musician. Creative Confidential begins now. Today, I am sitting with corporate entertainer, Denny Corby. Denny, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for so much for having me, Brian. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, we, we've talked a couple of times uh, recently. We only met a couple of months ago, and... Um, the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to see if you wanted to come on the podcast today was, you know, the way that you handle your business, I think, is something that everybody should take note of. If you're anybody that's a freelancer out there, if you're, um, you know, an actor or a musician or uh, anybody that's working in the creative space anywhere, um, listen to what Denny is saying. It's, it's, takes a heck of a lot of energy as you're going to hear, but, uh, he's working like crazy and, and, and not just locally, you're all over, you're working all over the country. Yeah. (laughs) So why don't we talk about, you know, let's set this up a little bit. What was your, you know, what was your background when you were a young, you know, younger man? Yeah. I mean, you're a young man still, but (laughs) I'm getting old. So I'm starting to use phrases like that. No, I gotcha. Um, so I'm 27 from Scranton, Pennsylvania. So any office fans will know Scranton, the paper supply company in Scranton. Weirdly enough, my family owns the paper supply company in Scranton. So the big brick tower people talk about in the opening credits of the TV show, that's our building. So that is now a third generation family business. Uh, my great, great grandfather, or my great, great grandfather started it. Uh, so that's three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Math. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he started it years ago. Obviously, I think we're coming up on 100 years almost in business. And for your, ever since I was younger, I thought I was going to you know, run and work for the family business. Then, you know, so ever since I was 16, I've stripped and waxed floors, cleaned bathrooms, worked in the warehouse, drove the big 26-foot box trucks, delivered stuff. I've done every job possible. Uh, long story short, got up to sales for one of the companies and realized it's not a good fit for me. Uh, it's a very long sales cycle, very long sales process. Uh, that's not how I work. I'm more of a kind of quick hit type of guy. So, you know, I can have a great conversation with somebody, have a great relationship going, and then it's all of a sudden, oh, yeah, well, our contracts aren't up for two more years. So why don't you call us then? It's like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, so that was just really frustrating on my end, just trying to keep up with that. And then uh, I was on vacation with my family, and my dad's like, you're not happy working for the biz, are you? I said, not at all. Uh, <laughs> and he goes, well, why don't you go off and try doing the entertainment full time? Because I've been doing, the, doing that since I was probably even before I even thought about doing the working for the family business. And uh, within a year I was doing well. And now, you know, almost four years later traveling all over the country. So it's probably one of the best decisions I've I've ever made. Now in your family, did you have a lot of uh, family members that did not go into the family business or was it pretty much everybody in the company? Um, No. So it's, it's my dad and his two sisters. Um, One sister is a nurse uh, the other one uh, works for, I believe, Capital One or Bank of America. Um, so they kind of left off. They're not even in the area anymore. Um, and so it's pretty much just been the, uh, I don't want to say like the, the the men, but 
that's just how it kind of went down the line. Okay. And what did you, so you're, when your dad says you were, you've you know been interested in entertainment from way back, what was he talking about specifically? He knew that, you know, my, my heart and passion wasn't in working for him at, uh, at least at, at the moment, you know, things might change in years going down, but for now he knew it wasn't what I wanted to do and knew I just had such a love and passion for performing. So he was like, you know, before you're too old, you know, you don't want to be 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, maybe down the line when you have kids, a family, whatever, going, you know, I wish I gave that a try when I was younger. And he was right, you know, so I kind of went off and, you know, now's the time to take risks and stuff, especially when you're younger and don't have, you know, as much overhead and family and all that stuff. So I took the risk, bit the bullet and uh, so far so good. (laughs) So what would you do? How would you describe what you do? I know that you're, you're a... A professional public speaker, which I think is is certainly a performance by Definitely. another name, and I I think people don't, uh, you know, probably the number one fear that most adults have is is public speaking. I I think at least anecdotally, I think that people would rather die than speak in front of people. Yeah, it's 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 something for some reason I think in our culture it's a it's a very uh, anxiety ridden thing, and I didn't you know for me I didn't really understand. Uh, the performance aspect of it, even, you know, I'd gone through law school and done all of that and been in front of people before, but I got a chance to do uh, a TEDx uh, talk a couple of years ago. And that's when the light bulb went on that it has to, you know, it's a composition. There's got to be a beginning, a middle and an end. There has to be, you know, a certain arc to it and a certain, um, you know, cadence to it to keep people, you know, engaged. And once I figured that out, I was like, oh, okay, this is not, there, there's a there's a, a way to uh, construct these things so that there's some structure and it's not, you know, I think the fear that people have is of standing up there, not, you know, not knowing what to say or what to do. Exactly. When you're prepared, it's completely different. And I just saw a quote on Twitter, you know, it was one of those tweets that was retweeted like a million times. And I'm going to butcher the quote a little bit, but it was basically, uh, it was a speaker, a performer saying that, you never really get over the fear of stage fright. You just learn to manage it, which is very true. Like everybody mm-hmm. still yep. gets nervous before. And I've, I've talked to some people and they're like, oh, I don't get, I don't get nervous before shows. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. Uh, Cause you're going to go out in front of a group of people. Like you still, you may not get scared, but you still have that like anxiety that sure. kind of like, oh, here we go. Um, but I thought that was a great, great quote. And, and you pretty much nailed it right on the head. It's all, it's still like a, still a performance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so do you, for your work, what percentage of your time when you're performing is public speaking versus being a magician, you know, or, or anything else that you do? Yeah. So it's probably about 25% speaking right now, uh, 75% the entertainment, uh, and that number is uh, for the speaking is slowly growing to match the performance side, uh, which perform, you know what I mean when I say performance, mm-hmm. the magic. Right. Um, so depending on the corporate event and what's involved, you know, my performance slash keynote, the, the speaking part also has magic elements in it as well to, you know, reinforce and reiterate the points that I was talking about during the talk as well. And we talked about this a little bit before. I like to call it almost infotainment. Cause it's not really entertainment, but you're still learning and still being engaged with it. And, you know, it's really nice when I do these corporate events because they're so thrilled to have me because it's not just another boring presentation that's talking about finding something else. It's, you know, real world information, tangible things that they can do. 
and take away, but also really cool entertainment stuff as well. So let's take an example. And I, and I know like no one, one incident is, is totally representative of everything you do, but you know, give us a, for instance, so I am, what am I a trade group? Am I a big company? And I contact you to come in for, we have an annual sales meeting yeah, or something like, tell me what, what the typical scenario would be. I wish there was a typical scenario. If there is, Every, yeah, if there is one, I everything is so it. different. And, you know, part of the job is figuring out exactly what the pain points of the client are, what exactly they need, uncovering those needs and telling them, hey, I think this is the best scenario moving forward. Here's what we should do. So there really is no set thing. Uh, very, very few. Sometimes they'll say, hey, we're having our corporate holiday party. We want some awesome entertainment. Then that's pretty much straightforward. Like, all right, we're going to do some entertainment and either you want you know, the show strolling and some other stuff. But, um, so for an association event, one I just did a couple weeks ago, for example, uh, I did a lunchtime keynote. So it was a, it was a finance conference. So mm-hmm. I did a lunchtime keynote, which talked nothing about finance, uh, just a nice short 30 to 45 minute keynote, which just talked about like basic business strategies, things that I do in my business, uh, things that they can do in their businesses and their lives to help them move forward and lead a little bit more uh, successful life. And a lot of them liked it because they were talking all heavy finance all day. Then they have this nice light keynote where they're not have to overly think about stuff. And then after that, uh, later on in the evening, before people went home during their cocktail hour, I did my 45 minute stand up show. Uh, so that was one example. Um, have another one coming up. Uh, I just worked on sent the proposal out where it's a uh, kickoff meeting. So uh, this large company, they have, all their divisions for this one part all throughout the country are going to be having the same event on the same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the entertainment at night is different. So that was just a straight entertainment. Uh, she thought she wanted a speaker as well. But as we started talking, they have such a tight time schedule. It's not really going to work. Um, so it's pretty much either just a keynote and a keynote with, with some entertainment mixed in. Sometimes it's just a keynote without any entertainment. And then it could just be a keynote and then entertainment later, or just the entertainment. So it's kind of a couple different packages there. Let's say you're talking to a potential client, and they want to book you to be the keynote speaker. How much time goes into... So like, let's say in an average year, how many of those engagements do you do? Probably boils out to one to two per week. Okay. So, so there might be one or two weeks where it's nothing, then other weeks it's three and four. Or, you know, At the end of the day, it probably boils out to about one to two a week. Okay, so that's a lot of prep yes. that needs to be done just you know just for those independent of the you know the magician work uh, or the or the stand up stuff that you do. So how do you tailor you know how do you tailor you know these keynotes to the specific client, the situation, or, or you know geography? Like how does that work? Yeah, that's super important. Um, you know, it's very important not to just phone in a, a presentation. Uh, and that's for any type of artist or person at all. Uh, I hate going to concerts or just even seeing bands out like cover bands. You can just see they're like running through like the motions, like there's no passion, like no excitement in them. Like, why the hell are you even here? Like, go practice at home, like within like your garage. Like, if you're not going to have the passion to come out and, you know, don't phone it in, like come out and make it a great time for all, all that are involved. Um, so I always send out a corporate client questionnaire which asks a bunch of different questions about their organization, the leadership team, all that stuff, asks about stuff about their products, what makes them different, stuff about their competition, all that stuff, because it'll help me tailor that a little bit more, um, whether that's for the show or the keynote as well. Whenever you could be more knowledgeable of them and their in their field and whatever they're doing, 
the more you're not just an outsider coming to speak because then the people are going to go, okay, he gets us. And even though I might not understand some of the stuff completely, but at least the effort goes in, you know, whether you're trying to make a joke at their competition or, you know, just try to take what you're doing and incorporate it into them, the more you can do that and the more they see, I think the more they appreciate it and go, okay, he's really not just phoning it in. He's really taking the time to make this about us. And that's really what it's about. Whenever we're performing, speaking, doing anything, it's not about us. It's about the audience. It's, it's about the people. When you go out to do a, uh, like a cover band show, whatever, at a bar, you're not playing your favorite songs. You're playing the songs that the people want, want to hear. So it's just giving the client exactly what they want. Now, let's, let's um, talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned you had a questionnaire. And, and, you know, in the times that you and I have talked, the amount of work that you put in sort of behind the scenes that's not seemingly related to the, fi- the to the final product really uh really amazed me um you know so you have a questionnaire you've got um you know you have a way to track all of these engagements year to year so you know you know when to contact certain clients that you've worked with in yep. the past i mean that that's lost on so many people i can't i mean you you run it like a business instead you, you of have to. You have to instead of, of of you know a lot of people I know that may you know think well it's it's an you know I'm an artist and you know it will just happen things don't just happen by themselves you have to make them happen and the more organized you are with with the kind of back office stuff uh, the more opportunities you're you're going to have I would think. Yeah, and uh, that is that that's super big. The, you know, we call that the uh, low hanging fruit. You know, the the events that you've done in the past, the hardest thing to get is a brand new client. It's the most expensive and the hardest thing to do. Once they're already your client, are already in contact, they've seen what you do, they like the product. It's easy to resell them, so why not reach out to them, see how they're doing, and then when you know, oh, they hired, they reached, they contacted me in May for their event in October that we did. Maybe I'll reach out to them next May and say, hey. What are you guys doing this year for your event? You know, a band's a little bit different. You know, they would probably hire a band a little bit more often than they would some entertainment. Uh, so my kind of turnarounds one to four years. I have some clients who want to you know re rebook again, uh, but generally it's one to four years somewhere in that range. So you can kind of let you know maybe they'll bring in a comedian or a cover band or a DJ, you know, to, or maybe just a different speaker, some other stuff depending on the type of, of, of event. But it's low hanging fruit. Like why not reach out to the people that already hired you and you know keep that relationship going. <laughs> Well, in, in that group of people in your, you know, for your particular business, how many, you know, current and former clients do you have? I'm not asking you to, to say who they are, but as a number, how many of those do you have in your, yeah, I, on your list? I actually, I never counted it out, but I do have two clients, three clients, three clients that have hired me for full rates, love what I do. But they have been worth tens and tens of thousands of dollars to my business by referring me to other people. And that's, uh, you know, in the talk, I talk about a lot about relationships and, you know, taking care of the people who take care of you. And that's where it really boils down. Um, One person is from the valley down here. And I mean, priceless. The the relationship is just priceless. Um, A lot of money just from having that relationship and doing a good job and them going, Oh, you're doing this event. You got to call Danny. Oh, we're having, Hey, you, you, if you're not busy next Thursday, I'm doing this, this networking thing, come on down. Cause I want you to meet these four people. So relationships are super important. Um, 
yeah, I can't, I can't stress it enough. And a little bit to go backwards, talking about the office stuff, I actually just brought on a personal assistant also because uh, I was realizing I was getting to a point where I can't really grow to the point I wanted to, where, where I want to be at and still be handling kind of like nonsense work. I shouldn't say nonsense, but stuff like contracts, agreements, you know, was everything paid for, is QuickBooks update, all that stuff where, you know, in the emails coming in, oh, clients asking about tech requirements and room setups. Could I do all that stuff? Yes. Is my time well spent doing that? No. Uh, so it's really, I was spending a lot of time doing that. So I kind of had to, you know, use some leverage and outsource a little bit to some other people so I can keep moving forward, keep the creative process going and keep the business going. Because realistically, when you treat your business like a business, that, that's what it is. So it's about 90% show or 90% business, 10% show. So, you know, I thought, like, oh, performing all the time would be great. And then it's like, oh, man, there's a lot of back-end <laughs> office work to do. Right. And, well, and that's where, you know, no matter how, um, you know, no matter how specifically you describe that 90% of your time, you know, you can put, you know, I guess my point is you, you have to, not you, but the general you out there, you have to do the work. So, if you know that you've got a pool of 50 potential venues that you could be performing in, you have to physically con, you know, you have to contact every one of those yes. and it's going to take time, time. And you gotta, you gotta put it in. Um, otherwise you don't, you'll be sitting at home and wondering why, why you're not working. Yeah. That's uh super important is you just got to put in the work. Um, and there's another quote, I think I'm going to butcher this too. Uh, but it was something like, if you keep doing the, th- if you keep doing things the way you used to expect the same results you've gotten, something like that, which basically says if you keep doing the same thing over and over again yep. with the same results, no- nothing's going to change just because you think things aren't going to get better. You need to change up how you're doing stuff to change the results that you want to get. No um, doubt. So, you know, and for anybody who's out there in our, in our industry, in our, in our fields, it's about a 1% close rate or a 10% close rate. So if you reach out to a thousand people, you know, figure 10% of those people are going to be interested and then 10% of those people are going to book. Um, so it's strictly a numbers game too, is, you know, how much work you put in per how much you get out. So it's the more people you talk to, the more people you contact, the more people you're in front of, the more people who see you, the more you're going to get booked, the more people are going to see you, the more you're going to work. Does everybody have that? Did everybody write that down? <laughs> um, well, so I think people are getting now getting, you know, the first time we met, it was like this for <laughs> like 90 minutes. And I'm like, wow, this guy really has it figured out. This is amazing. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of the lessons are not really, they apply to the creative world, uh, but they also apply to the business world, particularly with, with growth where, you know, if your time is best spent from a, I guess an economic perspective, if your time is best spent doing the work gets, you know, you're only going to grow. So you're only going to grow so fast if you're also doing all the admin stuff. And the sooner you can get somebody plugged into that role, then that frees you up to, you know, to keep growing the, the business, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's a software company or, you know, uh, public speaking gigs or, or what have you. So, what do the next couple of months look like for you? How yeah. far, like how far out are you booked? I'm already booking stuff uh, close to 2018. Um, wow. Yeah. So, and it's one of those, you know, I'm booked up fairly solid at this point, uh, but there's still those last minute events that, that still come in. Um, and it's nice. Most of my corporate events are during the, 
weekdays. So it leaves weekends open for some other events as well. Uh, and I just love traveling and having fun and meeting new people. So the more I can just get out and interact and see new people. I have one of my buddies is like, when are you just moving down to the Valley? Cause I'm in Allentown, Philly, at least once every other week or so. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> and now that's starting to blow up, you know, who knows? No. Well, there's no, you know, it, it's like anything else. I, and I, I also expect that the more you work, the more opportunities are going to present themselves. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, the more just you're out being seen, the more possibility someone's going to see you. Um, Keith Ferrazzi has a really good book, uh, Never Eat Alone, which the whole book tells you pretty much everything you need, need to know, but still a really good book. But he says, mm-hmm. don't ever eat by yourself. Take out a friend, a client, a prospect. Just go talk and just meet new people. And get, like that's a great time. Uh, even uh, I don't know if it was in this book or a different book I was reading, but it says like, why are you having lunch with like your colleagues? Go out and meet new people. Like even even if you're not in sales, maybe you work in HR, marketing, whatever. Go out and just have lunch with other people because you never know what's going to come from that. You know what I mean? But I just had uh, lunch yesterday. Me and a buddy of mine have uh, an accountability group where he and I just meet up weekly, talk about different goals we have for the week and, you know, keep each other accountable for it. Cause you know, if I have a bunch of goals for the week and if I don't meet them, like, ah, you know, I didn't do that one. Mm-hmm. When you have to physically go meet with somebody or talk to somebody on the phone and go, no, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. You're going to feel really crappy about yourself. So of course I have a little bit more um, drive to get that stuff done, but he runs, he's, he's on the board of a networking event out by me in Scranton and we were having this conversation yesterday about people who are like, I'm not getting anything out of this, blah, 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 blah. And he, and he and I almost had the same thing. It's like, if you keep doing the same stuff over, you're going to get the same results. So if you go in with different goals for these networking events each time, then you're going to get something out of it. So this time you might be looking for, for some, somebody new for your HR department. So you're going to go out and network and say, Hey, I don't know. I'm looking for somebody who is great at HR. Do you know anybody? Maybe next time, you know, you're looking for sale, you know, whatever it is, if you have a goal going in, if you're going mm-hmm. out just to drink and talk to people, I mean, obviously it's still, you know, it's not bad to do to be seen around people as well. But if you have a goal that you're going in with, right. you know, I want to get five business cards because I know one of them might turn into a client or whatever it is, you know, you're going to get what you put out. So you have to have, I think, goals going into things similar to, uh, you know, when you get what I'm saying. There we go. No, no doubt. I mean, now whose idea was the, the accountability group is a great idea. Who, how did you come across that i've read about it and known about them for a while and i just needed a little kick in the butt recently i got a little complacent uh you know a bunch of stuff is booked you're feeling good you're like ah you know you can't you can't uh, rest on your laurels because mm-hmm. that's when you know that's when it starts raining so i need, realized i needed a little kick in the butt and uh me and my he, he works for a family business uh, as well and i know we're both really good at what we do um so i just said hey here's what i'm thinking would you be down and he's like sure so we grab lunch or coffee or just hang out on the phone every week and not long, sometimes a little longer than others, depending on our schedules and stuff. Sure. But it's just uh, just nice to have that accountability and knowing that I have to go report to somebody and say what I did and, and what I didn't do. Well, and that's so important if you're a freelancer, because, you know, a lot of people that are working in corporate America, you've got a department, you've got a supervisor, you've got people around you that, you know, there's some structure, but when you're, you know, when you're working for yourself, you know, you really are out on an island if, if you allow yourself to be, and that might not always be the best thing, you know, for, for some people. So, you know, the, the ability to have, um, you know, a, a group that meets periodically, or even if it's one person 
that can keep you on track or if you're drifting, you know, in a direction that's not productive or, or you know, doesn't advance your cause, you know, they, they'll, if they know you well enough, they will notice and say, hey, look, why are you wasting your time with with X? You should be doing Y. Yeah, I'm, I'm very big on telling people about accountability groups just starting something with some friends or family whoever it is uh mastermind groups are really good too so it's not accountability it's just people who you just call with whether it's once a week once every other week and just brainstorm stuff not from your it helps if they're not from your industry mm-hmm. so you can get outside perspective on things i'm really big on having uh, a coach as well um you know some of the best sports teams all have great coaches most great ceos do as well so why don't people um i've had a couple coaches uh guide me along and it's somebody that you know you're not paying to be your friend you're paying them to kick your ass for the most part Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you're paying them a decent amount of money too now you're definitely not going to slip up you're going to do what they say get the work done because you're paying them for it um when did you what was when was the first business coach that you used what how old were you uh last year last year i invested a nice pretty penny uh got a a lot of results from it. Um, so I'm working on getting a, another one now, but now with hiring the personal assistant, some other things I'm working on. Um, now I have the, the accountability group, but no, it's not the same as, as a coach, but mm-hmm. it's still getting, pushing me along for the, for the time being. For now, for people who aren't familiar and I've used one myself, uh, about four or five years back when I was trying to, I was really kind of at a, a plateau, uh, professionally and I was trying to kind of push through to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And realized I needed somebody who'd done it to to help me strategize and and kind of block out a plan. But in your experience, you know, for people who have not used uh, business coaches, you know, generally, what your what was your experience? Was it all by phone? Was it in person? Uh, he was in he was in California. Okay, so this was all via Skype uh, Skype calls or Google Voice calls. Mm-hmm. I was out in L.A. last year, so we uh, I drove up to San Francisco. And uh, we met up for a session, so that was fun. It's just basically just someone keep you. It's someone to keep you going. Someone who's either in your industry or not. You know, just someone who's just knowledgeable in business, in life, and in success. And if they help you get to where you want to go, that's really all that matters. Uh, we all have goals in life, and we need to do whatever it takes to make them happen. So, you know, I'm 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 big on constantly like learning and growing yourself. Uh, I just invested in another uh, program to help help grow my business um there's so many different programs out there so many people willing to teach you and stuff like that and you know granted there's some of our expensive anywhere from a grand up to five thousand dollars for some Mm -hmm. of these programs but all you need is that one little nugget of information that one little bit that's going to spark your brain and go that is brilliant that's going to help me with this or maybe it takes you on a different level or it takes you on a different path but at least it gets your brain going uh it's the same with reading i tell people read all the time and even if you're not reading that book for you you're going to get information from it that you're all you're looking for is that one little thing that you can use in your business to take it to the next level but more importantly we talked about relationships you're reading and learning as much as you can because you never know who you're going to meet with and who you're going to talk to so if i was reading a book about marketing and i we had a talk and you're no, I don't know how to market this. Oh my God, you should read this book by Gary Vaynerchuk because blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so now you're helping out other people while still helping yourself. And granted, you may not have fully comprehended everything. At least you know just enough to be dangerous that you can have a conversation about it, sell the book to somebody, and then say, hey, you should probably go and go and get it. And to me, that's uh, invaluable. And if you really want to take it to the next level, you buy the book for that person and send it to them with a little handwritten note. That's really going to make you stand out a step further. So depending on what industry you're in, um, you never know where that's going to lead to. 
That's a that's a great idea. I'm so just, speaking I'm, of, I, I'm taking I'm taking notes as we uh, oh for media. Gosh. There you what, go. is, what is uh, it's <laughs> figure since we're already talking about it. Now I got to put my glasses on. Oh, well, we we save it till the end then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This is a uh, it's a copy of Hyper Sales Growth by Jack Daly. It is uh, my favorite sales book. Um, the guy is phenomenal. He is low 60s, maybe 61, 62, 63. Uh, the guy does Ironmans and tri- triathlons and marathons all throughout the, the the world. I think he's in a marathon on every country. He's in a mar- or at least a 5K or something, at least in every state almost. Mm-hmm. He's golfed at like 70 of the top 100 golf courses. The man's an animal. Um, <laughs> and he talks about it in his book. And if you're not a big reader, the audio book is great because he talks it as well. Uh, but it's a third on sales, third on sales management, and a third on corporate culture. Um, so depend, no matter what you're in uh, career-wise, there's something for you in there. Um, and I, I give that book out. I don't know how to how many people I've, how many copies I've bought over, over the years. Um, but I, I give it out so often. So it's a great book. Um, so yeah. Well, you should be writing. You should be an author yourself if you're not already, because uh, it's clearly been a, a we, I just got taken to school. Basically, <laughs> I think we all have. Um, now how, now in, in, you know, bringing things back to your, you know, to, I almost said your practice, sorry. In, <laughs> you can call it whatever law, you want. In lawyer mode, sorry about that. Uh, you know, bringing things back to, um, you know, to what you do, how does somebody contact you? How, do, what's the best way? Um, all social media is at Denny Corby, uh, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, everything. Um, my website, DennyCorby.com that has everything on there as well um and hopefully you'll be in touch with my assistant and then she'll pass on to me <laughs> call, call denny's people for god's sakes call denny's people he has people now well i'd love to come back in you know maybe in six months and kind of check for in sure. again and see how you know how things have evolved you'll probably be booked out till 2020 by then Great um, problems to have and i think it, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i think you know if people listen to this i don't know how your interaction is with you know your your listeners but you know have them send in questions and stuff then maybe we can do like a follow-up quick one maybe like sure. a five 20 minute one yeah. and then like get more questions from that so we can start building on it and keeping the interaction going with you guys the listeners as well so excellent love it well everybody denny corby just hire him for basically <laughs> anything that you need he seems to know what to do which is uh, seriously, you know, as you know, you know, my day job with my solo law practice, totally unrelated to what you do. But we've, you know, we can talk about growing business and and marketing and all that stuff. And it really is not industry specific. So whether you're, again, whether you're in the creative space, whether you're in professional services or uh, corporate America or wherever, um, you should check Denny out. It's uh, it will be well worth your time. And and on the podcasts page on Denny's episode, we will link to his homepage and to a couple other things to make it a little bit easier uh, to find him. So, uh, Denny, thank you so much for today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And a uh, little thing out to your listeners. Anybody just has any questions, comments, wisecracks, whatever, uh, shoot me a message. Find me online. Be more than happy to answer any questions or even hop on a call with some people. So. There you go. Go right to the man himself. Direct. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Chuck. 
to have Brian consult for your arts organization or public speaking engagements, or if you have legal matters you want to discuss, contact him at tucklaw.com. That's T-U-K-Law.com. For future episodes, please subscribe to Creative Confidential on iTunes or visit us at creativeconfidential.net. This has been a Steve Mittman social media creation. Steve Mittman, socialmedia.com. Media.